is up. Welcome back to Ramblings of a Mad Guy. It's me, Reese. I'm the mad guy, but of course, uh, this is going to be another solo ep. I know you guys like those. Been a lot of interviews recently. Definitely going to get back to the interviews next time with a good one. Keep tuned. But, um, yeah, so I was reading the news and I saw this guy, a serial killer, he gets charged with murder. Pleads guilty to kidnapping and murder. After 40 years. They didn't catch him for 40 years, this guy's on the run. Anyway, they have a picture of him in the courtroom. They're making him wear a mask. Like, seriously? The serial killer in the courtroom has to wear a fucking mask? Like, he's literally behind a fucking glass encased thing. He's got his hands all tied up, legs all shackled, three bailiffs standing around him. The dude's wearing a fucking mask. I mean, so are the bailiffs. Maybe it's for the bailiffs' sake, I guess. They don't want to get corona. But it's like the guy's been in solitary confinement for probably six months during the course of this complicated, you know, serial-killing murder spree. What are the odds? Or is... Actually, maybe I've heard that prison... You know, maybe they should have made him wear two masks. Or they should have made him wear, like, a Hannibal Lecter one. Make him look all badass and scary. Ah, I don't know. I was reading one of the... Again, you know, I'm addicted. I'm addicted. Guys, you need to help me. Seriously. Find me some help. Sit me down. I want to come home to a big semicircle of my closest friends and family. And... I want them to tell me that I have a fucking problem. A problem. I want an intervention about my Snapchat. Snapchat news surfing problem. I spend too many minutes a day doing this fucking thing. So I was reading one of them. And uh, it was an Australian hooker. And she's explaining to the Snapchat journalist why the institution of marriage is outdated. Alright, now, that's basically like an insurance agent in Florida telling you to buy a policy that protects you from blizzards. The two things have n- nothing in common. Because, like, her whole reasoning was, uh, she was like, oh, yeah, I see, I see a lot of married guys. And, you know, marriage is fucked, man, because all these married dudes, they come and they sleep with me. I'm a hooker. You know, I'm a big hooker in Australia. I guess she was actually, yes, she was a big hooker. She was not big, like, no, not like a big lady, but she uh, was, apparently was the highest paid prostitute in Australia or something. Like, they have net worths over there. Such a lucrative industry, I guess, for them, them dirty Aussies. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so she's a big hooker in Australia. She goes, yeah, I've seen a ton of uh, married guys. You know, marriage never works out. And you go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, she would see a lot of married guys. But then you think about it for, like, a half a second, and you go, well, yeah, no shit. No shit the married guys that you're meeting had shitty marriages. And, you know, probably the only other marriage, you know, like your parents, they probably had a shitty marriage. But, you know, her sample size is exclusively people that are in shitty marriages, and yeah, I know, there are the stats, the statistics that say that like 50% of marriages end in divorce or something, or two out of three, I don't know, it's a crazy, crazy number, but like, 
100% of marriages that where the husband is sleeping with a prostitute either do or should end in divorce, right? Like, who? how would she know anything about the institution of marriage when the only people that she sees are those who also don't believe in the institution of marriage, right? Yeah, I know. This is <laughs> this is uh, ramblings of a mad guy where I'm suddenly a uh, fucking evangelical Christian and I rail against the <laughs> sex work. Look, prostitutes are great, but uh, I just don't think they're uh, you know suitable marriage counselors. Maybe on Snapchat, Snapchat prostitutes. People that take marriage counseling advice from an, from a prostitute on Snapchat, that's their demographic. All right. People are giving Diplo shit. Remember Diplo? <laughs> I don't either. No, he was. He had a couple of good songs. He had the. What was it like? Uh, Major Laser, something like that. I don't know. I remember a couple of Diplo songs, but they're giving him shit about dating a 19-year-old TikTok star. Let's give the guy a break, right? Like, Dip- Diplo, how old is Diplo? We'll say 40. Diplo has not gotten famous person pussy in years. And, you know, it's not illegal to date. It- it's creepy. It's not advisable. It's not illegal to date a 19-year-old if you're Diplo. So just, uh, you know, I think I think Diplo gets a pass on this one. I think we say Diplo... Have your 19-year-olds, you know, if they want to, obviously, don't, you know. But, uh, I just feel bad for Diplo, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I don't know. I was watching this, uh, I was actually watching this insane show called, uh, Narco World, Dope Stories. It's really, it's really called that, Dope Stories. Like, like, I, like, I guess it's supposed to, it's kind of like a play on words, uh, where it's like, you know, dope stories, like dope, like drugs, <laughs> I don't know, what is dope, is that weed, I don't know, some people, old people I think call weed, I think the new thing, might, it might be like uh, heroin or something, I don't know, but this show's called Narco World Dope Stories, and uh, look, it's an apt title, the stories are actually dope, I, I was not expecting much, uh, it was a deep Netflix search, and uh, you know, late at night, and I just completely, you know, when you run out, you just run out of things that you want to watch, you just have no hope for a show that's really going to engage you, that's when you click on Narco World Dope Stories on the 10th page of Recommended on Netflix. They basically say, like, they do this whole cheesy intro, and they go like, uh, oh, yeah, this is uh, real shit, man, like, uh, this is intense, you know, these are not actors, you know, they, they emphasize that in the title, these are not paid actors, these are real people, and you go, like, all right, well, I'll be the judge of that, kind of, you know, uh, but no, actually, they, this is, I don't know how they did this, they got, like, access to an actual Mexican cartel <laughs> based out of, like, Phoenix, Arizona, but then they also cut back to Mexico, where they have one of the traffickers. And it's kind of like, well, what, what, how retarded, like, who, how far up the chain of command 
did they ha- did Netflix have to get approval for this in the cartel? Right, right. Like, so yeah. All right, let me explain. They, they show in the show they interview uh, different levels of like drug dealers and people that are you know involved in the drug trade, and. Um, uh, you know, they start with like a kind of like a normal street dealer. You go, okay, yeah, this guy is just kind of an idiot that they that they approached, and they're like, hey, we're shooting a documentary. You know, they make him wear not they make him. He probably for his for his protection, they he wears like a bandana right around his face, but you can still see his eyes, and they don't they don't change anyone's voice. You know, so like this street dealer, if his uh, you know, narco drug boss saw this, you just imagine he's going to be executed on the spot. Uh, so that's what I'm thinking the whole time. During the first interview, the guy's like, yeah, man, I sell, I sell drugs, like, all out, all throughout the state, and uh, I drive it from Phoenix, from the border to Phoenix, and, and all around, and you know, it's just kind of like a fun little thing, and you know, the the, the documentary, it, it kind of like it gives like how much money he makes and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, this is kind of interesting. Whatever, I'm not expecting anything much. And then, then they actually do go to his like supplier, uh, who's basically the Michael Scott of drug kingpins, in my mind, because it's like, well, okay. The first guy, I get it. He's like a street dealer. He makes a thousand bucks a week, which is good, great, you know. But for a drug dealer, like you're, you, you know, you think of like, uh, fucking, uh, what's that guy, uh, Scarface, you know, like Tony Montana, you know, making millions. And you think of Tony Soprano living in that dope, dope house in New Jersey. Why did he? Why did he live in New Jersey? You know, if you're such a powerful, anyway. Um, so they go to the actual boss of, like, Phoenix or whatever for this cartel. And it's like the Sinaloan cartel. It's not like some bullshit, like, backyard gang. These guys have, you know, in the in the documentary they show, these guys have, like, gold-plated Uzis and just pounds of cocaine and pot and all the shit. And they go to the boss, and his name is Chico, right? And... This is basically the highest level of any drug dealer that they find. But it's still, it's like, like Chico, his story is, he's been sent over, or at least hired, by the actual Mexican cartel to, like, run the the drug selling operation over here in... Uh, America, in Arizona, in Tucson, or wherever the fuck they are, (laughs) um, and meanwhile, the guy's giving a fucking interview to a reporter on Netflix, like, how dead, how dead is this motherfucker when this thing is released, like, if El Chapo sees this, do you think he would approve of you, you know, like, also, the other thing is, they go to the place where the guy's hiding out, right? And it's like a, uh, it's like a junkyard, or, yeah, right, for, like, where you compact cars and stuff like that, and they're in, like, a trailer, and this is where they're showing all the, the drugs and the money and the guns and shit, and then they pan around, they pan around the, uh, the junkyard, and you just see the skyline of, of, like, I think it's Phoenix, actually, where they are, the Phoenix, and you're like, well, okay, right, hold on. 
So even if Netflix is chill and they don't call the cops on these, like, murderer drug dealers, they're murderers. They, they literally are. Aren't the cops going to be able to watch this and go, oh, oh, the oh, you mean the junkyard that has that view from the west side of Phoenix or whatever? Like, you idiots. You're blowing up your spot. Anyway, there's another part. Uh, so that, I mean, that was crazy. The, uh... The, the, the Chico, the Michael Scott, you know, it just, to me, he gave me this whole vibe of like, yeah, I'm a drug dealer, but I secretly just really want to be in a play, you know, you know, like, because otherwise, who else, why else would the, the fuck would you be giving a, as a kingpin, a self-professed kingpin of Tucson, Arizona, why would you be giving an interview to a Netflix journalist? Anyway, the crazier thing is that the Netflix, Netflix journalist, seriously, props to these guys they go they actually go to mexico and they don't find anyone legit there obviously because you know those guys really will get killed and i don't even know how they found the people that they did because i mean you don't fuck with the cartel in mexico you know you definitely don't uh give interviews to fucking 60 minutes and netflix you know that that's just a death sentence but anyway they find these two idiots that uh, are, are they're traffickers, right? Or not even they like, they package, and um, cover up the scent of, and kind of handle the packages of cocaine that are going to be like hidden in a in a in a car in the back seat of a car and sent over the border back to America. Basically, to Chico, you know, the guy that was already given the interview, and so. They're interviewing these guys, and they're telling them everything about how they do this. They go, yeah, we use this chili sauce, and we, you know, and uh, actually, I mean, I don't know. Is that racist? They, they weren't speaking English in a Mexican accent like that. They were speaking Spanish, but I don't speak Spanish, so I'm just going to do the. So they're like, yeah, we, we, yeah, we like, we have all the thousand pounds of cocaine and cocaina. Cocaina. I can say that. That, 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 that's a... <laughs> That's some Spanish I know. Cocaina. Anyway, um, if that's even right, I, I don't even fucking know. But uh, yeah, so they, they they lay out exactly how they package it. They show us exactly where they put it in the car, like in the back seat of the car, between the cu- the cushion and the, the like fabric or whatever. And then they say exactly what kind of chili like uh, spray bottle. You know, they have a spray bottle full of like. Uh, some kind of chili water, right? That's supposed to fuck up the dogs, the dogs' noses. When they go to the border, the dogs can't smell shit. They can just smell the chili powder, and they get irritated. They go away, whatever. So I'm thinking, like, well, yeah, obviously border control is going to watch this and immediately train all their ju- all their dogs to uh, sniff chili powder instead of, instead of cocaine. Because why not, right? I mean, fuck it. But then even more surprisingly, like, actually, I was shocked when I saw this. I don't know if it's movie magic, you know? Like, I almost don't really believe it. But the Netflix documentary crew gets into the car with the guy who's going to literally drive the cocaine across the border. And you're like, what? Like, is the cameraman going to get arrested if they get caught and shit? And, you know, they they don't have the camera guy. There's no way they have the camera guy in the car when he goes across the border, because you don't see any of that footage. 
So I'm bet I bet like they just drop them off, or it's like some kind of B roll or something where they just ride around. But anyway, so they're in the car interviewing, <laughs> interviewing the the fucking uh, the the drug mule, and uh, I thought that was interesting. But more interesting, so the, the, while they're doing the thing about the drug mule, they actually interview a stick up gang boss, and uh, like a stick up gang, what they do is they drive around on the highway in, like, a big black Suburban. And they rob drug mules. I don't know. They say they get, like, tips or something, random tips. Uh, blue Nissan with a dented bumper is driving west on I-95 or something. And, you know, they'll go. They said they'll, like, pull up in front of them, block their car, jump out with their, their guns, and they'll, like, you know, they'll stick them up. It's a stick-up gang. It's a stick-up boss. And... Look, I mean, these guys, these guys are pretty badass. Uh, you know, you definitely would give them all of your money if they stick, they stuck you up. Um, but I just didn't, I thought they're, they're kind of assholes, right? They're like the hyenas of this whole drug trade. Because the stick-up boss, he goes like, his whole justification for why it's like a cool thing for him to do or like a badass thing or why he has to is he goes like yeah man like you know uh sometimes we roll up on a motherfucker and he gotta protect his load cause the cartel's holding his family and they gonna kill him and his whole fucking family but we don't give a fuck we gotta do what we gotta do cause we gotta eat motherfucker and it's like yeah okay I get that yeah sure sure wait hold on where are you again Phoenix Arizona yeah, that plays in Mexico. <laughs> like, think about what you just said. The guy that they pull over, that they stick up, might defend his cocaine because if he doesn't deliver the cocaine, his family's going to be killed by the cartel. No, like, that guy has to do what he has to do. You live in Phoenix, Arizona. Like, if you got to eat, you can work at a McDonald's. <laughs> You know, there are plenty of uh, jobs at Office Max uh, where you'll make a salary that you can eat. You do not have to stick up poor <laughs> poor Mexican uh, drug mules whose families are being held hostage in order to eat in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, anyway, I heard from uh, someone that, that their kindergarten kids kindergarten age kids they had to go to zoom class all right that's just uh, uh, zoom class for kindergartners that's just lazy parenting in my opinion because what the fuck do you learn in kindergarten how to finger paint maybe your abcs uh definitely a little bit of like social skills you know you make some friends in kindergarten but you're not going to make any fucking friends on Zoom as a kindergartner, you know? Unless you got some, like, uh, really cool Dora background or something like that. I don't know, but, what, like, why, why send your... Like, if you're sending your kid to kindergarten, you just don't like them. <laughs> you know, you, you on Zoom. Because, you know, Zoom isn't a babysitter. Like, if your kindergarten age student is on Zoom, you're there with them. Uh, they're using your fucking computer, you know, there's no kindergartner that has his own computer, he goes, oh, mom, I'm gonna, 
thanks for the PB&J. I'm going to go uh, go to class now. And he goes up to his room and closes the door. And No, it's like a computer that's in the kitchen. <laughs> it's like a computer from two, uh, one of those uh, colorful like Apple desktops from 2006. And it's on the kitchen counter. And uh, the parent is there doing the dishes while the kid's on, on, on Zoom. Uh, just take your kid out of class, you know? Or let all the kindergartners just go to first grade. Like, you don't learn shit in kindergarten. So, anyway, I don't know. British people are so funny to me. Like, I was watching this F1 documentary, and one of the drivers, his car crashed into a wall at 300 miles per hour, and he flew into the air through another wall, right? Like, the car hits the wall, it gets vaulted up, goes through another wall. Um, and the driver is just like limp in the in the seat. Horrific accident. Driver dies on impact. The British announcer, his attitude is totally nonchalant. He goes, "We've received word from the Azerbaijani hospital officials. Rolf Ratzenberger, driver of car number thirty-one, succumbed to injuries sustained during the accident." I was pissed. Because it took me like two whole minutes to realize the guy wasn't alright. Succumbed to injuries sustained during the accident. The man's torso was disconnected from his legs. He didn't succumb to injuries. He got exploded. <laughs> now, so I was reading a news article. And it was like, the headline was just, Nice Knife Attack. I was horrified. You know, it was a story about people that died in a, in a knife attack. And, you know, they were just saying it like a cool surfer, bro. Like, nice knife attack, bro. But, of course, you know, they meant Nice. Like, the city of Nice in France. But, and it made me feel stupid. Because I read it wrong, you know. And, you know, as an American, you're supposed to know everything about Europe. Otherwise, you're just stupid. Apparently. If you go over there, that's the, the whole vibe. Um, so I felt stupid, you know. But then it's like, well, no. No, that that newspaper is the stupid one. You're supposed to go like, oh, you know, there's a knife attack in Nice, in in Nice, France, or something. You know, you're, like, who is not who? What English speaking person is not gonna read Nice knife attack like nice knife attack? Yo, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I've been rambling enough. That's enough of this one. Uh, please uh, subscribe. Tell your friends. Live your life. Be happy. Be sad. <laughs> uh, yeah. In the last seconds, we're gonna get really fucking deep and emotional, you know? No, I'm just kidding. Peace out, boy! <laughs>